Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. Hey, our Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really truly all day long like 7-Eleven. He was convinced the stripper wanted him, like loved him. Do craps actually have the best odds or like have I been playing the wrong game all these years? You're in downtown Las Vegas. Where else would you want to be? And uh, let's let the night come to you. Welcome back to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. And I'm Tim. And for all the degenerates out there, we've got one specially for you. Derek Stevens is here today. He's the owner of the Golden Gate, the D, and the Circa Hotel and Casinos in Las Vegas. Uh, Circa actually just opened at the end of last month, and it has a lot of superlatives going for it. It's uh, the first new hotel actually built in downtown Vegas in 40 years. It's also Vegas's first ever adult-only casino, which isn't as scandalous as you might think, but still very cool. Um, has a sick pool, uh, the world's largest sports book, and a bunch of other stuff. We're going to get into it. But uh, Tim, this is an interesting subject for you because you don't really like gambling, right? I mean, I'm not a big gambler, as we'll get into later on in the show during Rapid Fire. I'm not anti-gambling. I just am a frugal asshole. So you're a responsible human being. <laughs> I'm not the type of person that's going to walk in with a thousand bucks and lose it. I'll, I'll walk in with 25 bucks and lose it. You gotta spend big if you want to win big, Tim. I guess you just don't want to win big. I don't want to win. I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to win big, but I'm not gonna take the chance. Yeah, Derek came into this interview and took one look at us and immediately was thinking, Yeah, these guys are a couple of low rollers, a bunch of scrubs. Yeah, I mean, Vegas is such an interesting place. I've been there three times. I've never actually been downtown, and that's my number one goal the next time I go to Vegas is to check out Fremont Street and some of the other neighborhoods that aren't the strip. That's where all the Vegas history is at, and that's what Derek's going to be talking about, kind of trying to bring back that flavor of old school Las Vegas and his Circa Hotel. He tells us about the difference between you know old school Vegas and new school Vegas. What what is a Vegas customer? Um, what's the you know what's his favorite game? What game actually has the best odds? So it's, it's a good conversation, especially if you have uh, no self control at the blackjack table. Yeah, you know the interesting thing about Vegas, among the many interesting things about it, I suppose, is that the last time I was there, which was about three years ago. I had a completely different experience from the first two times. The first two times was just like a quick in and out, two night party your ass off and then go. Last time I was there for a conference and we were, I was there for, I think, a, almost a week, like five nights. And it was a totally different experience. We went to a show, a couple of shows, went to some nice dinners. I was up every morning at like seven walking around, which did not happen the previous two times unless I was still up from the night before. And I'll tell you, man, when you're actually sober walking around Vegas, it's a whole different city. Yeah, I do feel like it's a tale of two cities in a way. Uh, the family-friendly side of it and the the kind of seedier, more degenerate side of it. Uh, it's you know you can go if you want with your family to see a show, um, go go to the roller coasters, explore the city, go see downtown, uh, enjoy the history of it, the museums, or you can dive right off the deep end and lose. $12,000 at the blackjack table, go home with a stripper and get lung disease from inhaling secondhand smoke at the casino. I'm surprised you haven't been there more because you are more of a gambler than me from what I know about you. And you seem like you're much more of the Vegas type of guy. Yeah, I, my only time 
in Vegas was with my dad and I was, I just turned 21 and he went on a business trip and asked me if I wanted to come. I was like, yeah, sure. I've never been to Vegas, so might as well. And going to Vegas for your first time by your, essentially by yourself, like with your dad, who's not there trying to like party, not trying to go out. He's not a huge gambler. It's an interesting experience. I, I was, I had to sort of make, I found myself firmly planted in sort of the family friendly Vegas and trying my best to cross that boundary into like the party Vegas solo while not being like a weirdo who was out at the club by himself, which I mean, I totally was, but it was, it was a, it was a learning experience for sure. I spent a lot of time playing blackjack. Um, I mean, I think the whole time I'm not, a, I'm not a high roller, Tim. I pretty much, I think I came ahead like 35 bucks and I thought I was the absolute man. I thought I had gamed the system. I thought I was the king of Las Vegas. It's unbelievable what 30 bucks in blackjack can do to your psyche. Yeah, it's funny. I think the only time I remember coming ahead at a casino was back when I was in college uh, in Durango and there are some Native American casinos around there and I was there with my girlfriend at the time and I won enough money to buy a pack of cigarettes. You know what though? You still feel like you're, you know, you go in expecting to lose and you go and you win enough to buy cigarettes. Talk about being a degenerate and everything's coming up Tim, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you're a 20 year old cigarette smoker, that's all you need is that five bucks, you know, and your night is better. What's cool about today's conversation is that we're getting a view of Vegas that you don't normally get because this guy is talking from the top of Vegas, where when you go to Vegas, you are at the bottom of Vegas. You got to earn your way up that ladder. Yeah, I've definitely been guilty of thinking that all Vegas casino owners are like the guys in Ocean's Eleven who are always trying to screw each other out of land deals and basically spend their whole day walking between their penthouse and their secret treasure room where they keep the diamonds you know it's it's definitely not like that and and derek is very much a kind of like the people's ceo he spends a lot of time on the floor just having drinks at the bar getting to know the customers and it's interesting to hear his perspective yeah he seems like a really cool dude i'd actually love to have a drink with him so on that let's get into it derek stevens welcome thanks for being here Appreciate appreciate being out with you guys. I thought I was pretty busy this week, but you just opened the first hotel casino in downtown Las Vegas in 40 years. So I can't even imagine what your week has been like. Yeah, we uh, we're uh, we're just wrapping up our first week here today. Uh, as of uh, as of midnight tonight, we'll be in a week. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a great opening week. Yeah, that's great. So you must have a packed schedule. So thanks for taking the time to join us. So Circa is Vegas's first adult-only casino. Yeah. What made you decide to do an adult-only casino? What makes it adult-only? I still struggle with calling myself an adult, so I don't even know if I'm mature enough for this thing. Really, you know, when uh, when the news kind of broke that we were going 21 and over, uh, a lot of people kind of jumped to the to an incorrect conclusion here. And really all we're doing is we are simply IDing um, everyone at our casino entrances, which is, which is actually something that's very similar to what happens in, uh, let's say Monte Carlo. It's also similar to what happens in a number of other States. It's just a little bit different in Las Vegas. And our thought process was, was really twofold. First, um, what it does is it allows people to get ID'd as they enter the casino and it, it saves them from having to show their ID potentially, you know, 10 times in a given night. 
you know, if if you've got someone that's uh, that's younger looking, every time they have to buy a drink, they got to show their ID. Every time they go up to a blackjack game or a dice game or up uh, up at the sports book, they got to show their ID. And what happens is it ends up creating this cascading effect of of um, I think you know subpar customer customer service. And then you know on a secondary basis, you know I've I've been hanging around these bars late at night and there's a certain element when somebody has a cigar in their hand and they've got a, they got a scotch or they you know, people are drinking beers. You just don't want to see a stroller rolling over your toe, Yeah, you know, at midnight, it's kind of like the wrong vibe, you know? So there's a little bit of an element of that, you know? So the over 21 thing, a lot of people jump to this. Oh, is this a triple X thing or something? No, it's got absolutely nothing to do with that at all. It's just simply, really a customer service thing. And, and I think it allows all of our people to be uh, a little more efficient and really focus on the customer a bit more. Yeah. So you're not just sending prostitutes up to people's rooms the second they check in. No, no, that's come. No, definitely not the case. So I'm curious because every time I see a movie about old Vegas or, or read anything about it, it, it seems like the new Vegas has kind of pushed out some of the the character of what you would see back in like a fear and loathing day or something like that. As, I know you're like a Fremont street guy. What, what do you think is the character of, of old Vegas that survives today? Well, you know, I mean, the one thing about a lot of people have asked me like, well, what's the Fremont street customer? What's the downtown customer like? And, and the reality is, is, is the downtown customer is best described as it's the Las Vegas customer. I mean, probably the two biggest things is, is, is uh, Fremont street probably tends to maybe a little bit more younger at heart and Fremont street really tends to maybe a bit more North American. We, we have a lot of Canadians uh, and, uh, and everyone from, uh, from the United States. We don't have that much, um, you know, far East or um, high, high, uh, high on Baccarat play, but that'd really be about the only difference versus the overall Las Vegas visitor. Saying that you you love the people you, from what we've read, seem to be the kind of owner that spends a lot of time on the floor, a lot of time interacting with people. Uh, what what are some of your favorite stories, favorite personalities that you encounter on a regular basis? Uh, you know, I uh, I've been sitting at the end of the bar, you know, a lot of nights. Uh, you know, almost every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, either at in Golden Gate or the D, and now here in the last week over at Circa and. Uh, you know, my wife and I have always uh, kind of had this uh, philosophy that uh, we uh, we don't overthink it here. Let's you just kind of sit down at the bar. You're in downtown Las Vegas. Where else would you want to be? And uh, let's let the night come to you. Um, the uh, the creativity of who shows up is uh, is well beyond the scope of our imaginations. But I can tell you, we uh, we, we buy a lot of drinks. We have a lot of drinks, and uh, and we laugh. We laugh like. Uh, Laugh like hell on on uh, uh, having the chance to meet all these people far, from far and wide. So aside uh, aside from crushing drinks at the bar, what's your day in your life look like? Well, you know, I'm, I, first and foremost, I'm a business guy, and uh, you know, I would say all the things that um, are not sexy about Las Vegas or just uh, anything else like that. That's what my day is like. I mean, I work at an office. Mm -hmm. The great thing about this is instead of going home after your work day, I go down to the casino floor. So I don't spend a lot of time at home. Uh, my wife and I get along uh, real well. She comes down uh, by the time I hit the floor. And, uh, and and um, you know, we love watching sports. We love meeting people. And, you know, I would say 
I'm always prepped with all the different groups that come in. I mean, particularly on Thursday nights and Friday nights. Uh, you know, I could have a night where, you know, after the business elements done, um, I might have 15, 15 uh, different groups that are coming in that we want to say hello to, haven't seen in a few months, that type of thing. So, so I would say, you know, it's it's really uh, it's an AM versus PM type of type of uh, type of deal for us. So. Uh, I'm just fortunate I'm here a lot. I mean, the, the public element is that I'm on the floor all the time and buying drinks and meeting with people. But uh, but the reality is, is during the day, we're upstairs running a business. Yeah. And you obviously enjoy the gambling aspect to yourself, right? I mean, I feel, I'd imagine it'd be tough to own a casino if you didn't enjoy gambling. Um, yeah, I would say I would say enjoy gambling. I certainly I certainly um, uh, always did. And uh, I came to Las Vegas and uh, I came for business, came for pleasure. And uh, yeah, I've always liked the casino floor. I've always liked make bets on sports and things like that. Um, the, the enjoy element is one thing I would say the the other component is I, I feel fortunate that that I, I would definitely was a gambler because if you're if you weren't, I would say it's probably pretty difficult to to come up with uh, ideas that gamblers want if you really weren't a gambler. So for, for that, I, I feel fortunate. I was I've been a gambler really my whole life. All right. It's like someone who's sober trying to design a nightclub. It's not going to go so well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's just certain elements where you have, you have skill sets and, and sometimes your experience is based upon what your what you enjoyed or what your hobbies were and things like that can, can end up like paying off a little bit, a little bit, you know, further down the road in your career. For sure. Do you have a favorite game or is it sports book? Uh, yeah, I love betting on sports. And if there was one uh, one particular game on a casino floor, that that would be uh, my favorite for a lot of reasons. It's certainly uh, it would certainly be dice uh, dice game. Yeah, do craps actually have the best odds, or like have I been playing the wrong game all these years? Because that's what I've heard. You know, it's a it's a that's a that's not that simple of a question to ask. Uh, yeah, you could say you could say that. Uh, Blackjack has the best odds, and that's what I've always heard. Is it's blackjack? A lot of people, a lot of people uh, say that, and 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 in many ways, it's correct. Um, and a lot of people believe it. the 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 issue with blackjack that's a little bit different is individuals have to make decisions, and and incorrect decisions are made very very frequently, because sometimes people get a hunch and whatnot. So I've always thought that that people that aren't aren't professional gamblers um if you get on a dice game you, you got a pretty fair shot you've got a, a a game with a lot of volatility you know you can walk in with a hundred bucks and walk away with a thousand and that happens frequently uh, on a blackjack game if you walk in with a hundred bucks it's a lot less likely to walk away with a thousand um just because you have to play perfect and uh although most people think they play perfect. Inevitably, there's a hunch involved, or this or that, or you know, you, you end up making a making a bad call. So, so frankly, for us, for, for the casino, the whole the whole percentage on a blackjack game is higher than on a dice game, even though the odds are better. That's interesting because I mean, in both games, you've got some people screaming in your ear. You know, your your partner or your buddy is back there, like, no, 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 no. But you're like, no, I'm doing it, man. I'm doing it. Well, the thing too is, I think I feel like craps is a a lively social environment, whereas blackjack can be a very uh, in your head. People, if you're really serious, people don't want to talk to anyone. They they're trying to like keep everything straight, keep the numbers straight, and it's it's like a much more uh, reserved environment than craps. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the reasons why I like craps. I mean I, I like craps because I like the volatility of the game. Uh, if you catch a hot roll, 
and you're pressing your bets, you, you can really make a pretty good score. And when that happens, you get the you get the benefit of uh, of a lively crowd, and it, and it creates a lot of excitement within a casino. So for me, it's definitely the most exciting game on on a casino floor. Yeah, I love it. And you're not just playing for yourself; you're playing for other people too. You know, unless you're the asshole playing the do not pass line. Um, <laughs> back to circa for a second. The Vegas hotel industry is such a themed driven place. As far as the the circus theme, besides the adult only thing. What are you going for? What's the distinguish? What distinguishes it from other hotels? Yeah, you know, I think I think like you know, I'm a big fan of Las Vegas, and um, I just thought I I wanted to do something that um, I thought appropriately reflected, uh, respected, and revered the history of Las Vegas. So, so what we tried to do is we tried to bring in um, some old school touches into a property with all the new modern amenities that people that people need so there's certain elements where we wanted to we wanted to make sure we could touch upon maybe some emotions of of years past uh you know when we purchased uh, the glitter gulch it came with a sign which was vegas vicky and and uh you know we took that sign down and as opposed to trash on the sign you know we brought the sign in we uh we 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 re refurbed the sign and everything and we always thought that that was a great connection to you know maybe 40 years ago and we really tried to celebrate some of these iconic elements of uh of Las Vegas of the past it's had the highest growth rate of any of any city in the US and uh um pretty pretty amazing so i really wanted to focus on on the great Las Vegas history um although it's a, only a little over 100 years old and 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 really allow people to have these wild moments and, and and realize why Las Vegas is such a special special place. So you recently flew two thousand people to Vegas uh, to kind of mark the reopening of a bunch of the casinos. How, how did that go? And and how is the vibe in Vegas right now? Is it getting back to normal or what's going on? Yeah, you know we um we uh, we were shut down um, you know on March March uh, the eighteenth. And we were able to reopen on June the 4th. So our, our two operating casinos, the Golden Gate and the D, reopened at 12.01 a.m. on, uh, on um, June the 4th. And, you know, I would say since that time, we've gone through a number of new directors, directives from um, the Nevada governor. We've gone through additional guidelines and changes in the guidelines from the CDC. You know, I think, I think wearing masks was potentially seem to be much more controversial in June than it is here, October, November. I think wearing a mask now in the country, you know, it's just really not a Las Vegas thing, but in the country, it's not that big of a deal, you know? So people are now figuring out different ways to um, adapt. Um, customers are finding different ways to adapt. So it's not a big deal. You wear a mask, but you can go out and you, you can still buy a drink. You take your mask off, have a drink, put your mask back on, you know, have a cigarette or have a cigar. Put your mask back on. So people mm -hmm. are finding additional ways. I mean, I think a lot of people in the country, have, you know, obviously been cooped up here for eight months. So there's a little element where I think a lot of people want to go out and a lot of people want to have some fun, but everyone's far more cognizant of what it takes to combine being safe and having fun, you know, at the same time. I was going to ask, kind of change it up a little bit. I know you are a sports book guy and are really invested in the growth of that across the country. I'm in Colorado, actually, so is Eben, and there's a lot of that going on now. In fact, I can't even get on social media without seeing ads for sports books now. 
what do you what are your thoughts on on where this is going to go and and what it's going to do for Colorado and other places? Well, you might maybe you're seeing some of our ads because I think our ad Probably. campaign kicks off tomorrow in Colorado and today alone. You know, today alone, like you said, election day. There's six states with uh, with sports wagering, uh, you know, initiatives or or or, uh, or regulations on 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 ballots today. So I think I think it's something that's growing. I think I think also from um, from uh, an entertainment perspective and sports franchise perspective, um, I think it's finally just kind of coming out of the closet. I mean, the NFL for 30 years always had the public uh, the public uh, face that oh we were against sports gambling or against gambling on football, but in reality they needed um, gambling on football. You know, when the score is 35 to nothing. Um, you know, on Monday night football or Sunday night football or in a game, you're going to lose a lot of viewership unless people have a wager on a game. It's just, it's just what it is. It, so it's increasing TV ratings. It increases the duration that people stay in the, stay in the stadium if you're at a game. So I think this is a win-win uh, really all around. Yeah, it accomplishes the same goal in terms of fandom as fantasy football. Because, you know, it keeps people invested who otherwise wouldn't be invested. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm a huge fantasy football fan. And, and I've been playing fantasy football for a long, long time. And, uh, yeah, if you're in fantasy football, you want to watch all the games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it keeps you it keeps you invested. Yeah, I mean, in Europe, I think sports betting has been legal for years now. And it's a huge industry. So it's kind of, you think about it, it's kind of crazy that, you know, it's taking us so long to get there. Yeah. I mean, America gave up a good 25 years worth of, uh, worth of revenues, um, based upon a position that didn't make a lot of sense, but, uh, but at least things are, things are, uh, you know, getting on the right side now. Yeah. Well, speaking of Europe, when I travel, I always try to hit up a casino if I can, because it's always fascinating to me how other countries handle a gambling culture, handle the casino uh, experience the casino aesthetic. It's so different from how it is here in the U.S. I mean, it's just such a different overall experience and atmosphere. I, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, the casinos are just a little bit different. I mean, all a little bit smaller. How, how some of them handle them as like private clubs. Um, it's it's interesting. I, I thought they've been clean. It's, it's a completely different environment than what Las Vegas is all about. It's a different environment than what the regional casinos around the country, around the U.S., are, are like, uh, you know, I've been to casinos in, in, in South Korea, and and you know, they're, they're just a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of the entertainment component and the little bit of the over the top component that Vegas has to offer, with which includes shows and 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 great pools and and sunshine and things like that. Um, that I, I can't say I was. I was really, really invigorated by by European or or, or Far Eastern casinos. Um, I've not been to Macau. Um, I'd like to get there at some point. Um, I was going to go there this year, but uh, but uh, that got that got punted. So uh, um, you know, I, I kind of like the way the environment here, um, really in Las Vegas. I was in Macau last year actually, and Macau is interesting because it looks like Vegas aesthetically in a certain way where they've got the over the top buildings uh, and they've got shows. There's a lot of theaters and stuff, but you go into the actual casino and it's almost silent. Like they, you have to no hats. 
no drinks at the table. It's it's very different vibe. Like the vibe in Macau is similar in a lot of ways to Vegas, but when you're actually on the floor, it's completely different. Yeah, I would say I would say, and some of this has to do with cultural differences. You know, um, you, you know, it's uh, you 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 almost have to gam- gamble if you're uh, if you're a, a a Chinese business person. I mean, it, it's part of the it's part of the culture. It's part of your your psyche. I mean, we see this during Chinese New Year, and and you know all 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 the red boxes and gifts and things like this, and what year you're gonna, what type of year you're gonna have. Um, it's just a different environment. I'm not saying right or wrong. I I I, I enjoy the entertainment uh, component here. That's what I'm accustomed to. Uh, but uh, but yeah, every 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 culture and and every culture is a little different. And then and then obviously the uh, the 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 properties are built based upon the culture and those customers. I, I do love the, I, I, maybe it's a European thing because not only in Monte Carlo, but also in, I think a few in Germany I went to, it's, you have to wear the suit jacket and you can't wear certain shoes and you have to, it's like this whole thing. I've never felt like more of a fraud in my life than like getting all dressed up. Like I'm in fucking oceans 11 <laughs> walking in and being like, ah, I'll put $5 on red, please. <laughs> but I, it's, it's nice. It's nice. You go and you have like 50 bucks for the whole night. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll dress up. I'll like act, pretend like I'm a, a baller. And then, uh, Make this five dollars last me for three hours. Well, Evan, I know you're an Ocean's Eleven fan. What's some of the crazier Ocean's Eleven? Have you ever had to deal with anything even close to that in a casino where where you're like, oh, we got to watch these guys? I mean, I'm sure stuff happens, like a heist attempt or or just a very sophisticated cheating scandal, even. Um, no, I can tell you, we we deal with a lot of uh, a lot of situations. Um, but I can tell you, um, Ocean's Eleven was a great movie because it's just so outrageous. Uh, that was a well. Uh, that's one heck of a scam. Yeah, there's always there's always a scam going on, and, and you know you just have to be cognizant that uh, that scams are going to be uh, are are going to be out there, and uh, everyone's trying to come up with a new one. So you just got to try to be as aware as you can, um, and uh, and kind of go from there. We we've been uh, we've been fortunate. We haven't been part of. Uh, um, anything like that. So that's, that's not a common, not an everyday occurrence, the uh, billion dollar heist. Oh, no, not with, uh, <laughs> not with Don Cheadle taking, no, the, no. taking the power grid down or anything else like that. Most of them are more like a sloppy version of the hangover. That, that's true. That's a far more frequent occurrence. How about, what's a, what's a, would you say is a stereotypical visitor to Vegas now as opposed to, you know, back in the, the pre-strip days? Has it evolved at all? Well, I think um, you know if you go way, way back. I think uh, I think the one thing that changed was Vegas originally started as far more of a high-end um, um, retail leisure destination, and it was a place where you came with maybe some buddies, or you came with your wife or girlfriend. Uh, it was an adults adults um, um, place to visit. And then I think what what changed was maybe uh, maybe when MGM opened, uh, there was a push to expand the customer base, and and um, and it became more socially acceptable to bring your bring your kids to Vegas. And I would say, you know, now when I look forward, you know, into 2021, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a little more um, um, reversion back to what old Vegas was, where where. I mean, we're seeing it right now. The people that are coming to Las Vegas are are the frequent independent traveler. It's going to be, you know, somebody that's going to say, "Okay, I'm going to come with my spouse, or I'm going to come with four four friends of mine, or four couples," and 
and we're going to come and we feel good about coming to Vegas. We're going to have fun. I think it's going to take a little while for uh, the convention groups to come back because the convention promoters, you know, they're, they're going to have a tough time bringing 50, 100,000, 250,000 people in at a pop. So Vegas is going to be Vegas is going to come back through the that frequent independent traveler, and that's clearly what we've been seeing here in the last month or so. What's is is there a sense of competition though? And I know COVID, everyone kind of comes together, but in general, between casino hotel owners, is there, you know, is there a sense of um, a collaboration, or is it more friendly or unfriendly competition? Uh, I would say I would say um, the the overriding element would be more collaboration. Uh, than than competition. Uh, um, I think every every hotel and resort um, has its own its own niche. Um, you know, so just take here around around my parts here. Um, the Fremont Street Experience. Uh, we uh, we own the Fremont Street Experience. When I say we, I mean all the casinos here. So the Golden Nugget, the Fremont, the Cal Main Street. Four Queens, Binions, the D, the Golden Gate, Circa. So we we um, we work collaboratively. We get together every Tuesday. I just got off my board meeting call um, just literally five minutes before I jumped on with you guys. And and uh, you know we uh, when you meet every week, y'all we all kind of like each other, you know. And and really our goal is our goal is what can we do to bring people to Las Vegas? What can we do to bring people to Fremont Street? And then once they're here, we all, we all know that. You know, on Fremont Street, right. every customer is going to visit three and a half casinos. So we just try to get them here. We know they're going to bumble into one or another and and, uh, and, and, and go from there. So we all we all get along. We all have our niches. Um, you know, Boyd Gaming with uh, Main Street and the Cal really focusing on the Hawaiian market. Uh, when you look at the Golden Nugget, they have, uh, they have a, a huge market in Texas. Um, you know, for the D, the Golden Gate. Um, Really, our 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 niche market is really let's just say Midwest. Let's say let's say Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, like through Iowa to Colorado. That that's really our our bread and butter. So we all have our different niches. Um, so I'd say yeah, there's there's a competitive spirit for sure. But I would say it's probably more collaborative. Um, I would say the strip in in many ways is uh is is similar. Um. And, and when you look at the strip versus downtown, I mean, I talked about it in my opening speech. I, I said, you know, people ask me, well, are you going after a strip customer? I said, no, that's not, that's not right. Remember, we really don't compete with the strip in as much as downtown only has 7,000 hotel rooms. And if you multiply that by 365 days, you're looking at less than 2 million room nights a year. And, and yet we did 24 million people downtown in in 2019 so our business model is different than the strip the strip has 150,000 hotel rooms so we don't compete with the strip you know we our hotel rooms don't add up to don't add up to you know a drop in the bucket to compare to what they have so we're we're really far more complimentary than anything else uh you know our our main customer is 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 uh what we call like a day tripper or, or a night tripper type of thing um, we need the strip to be, you know, strong and robust and the hotel rooms full. Um, so we really, we, we're really far more complimentary. Fremont Street's a lot more about attractions. Circus a lot more about attractions. Speaking of attractions, the stadium swim pool at Circa looks sick. It's, I think, easily one of the most unique aspects of the hotel. What's, what's going on with that? It's, it's open now, right? 
Oh, yeah, it's open. I mean, it's a signature attraction of Star it's open. I'm matter of fact, right over the camera. I'm watching the, I'm watching my surveillance cameras there right now. You know, weather in Vegas right now is perfect. It's about 82. It's sunny, so uh, it's uh, it's it's good. Yeah, six pools, a um, couple of spas, uh, uh, multi-leveled uh, uh, outdoor, outdoor basically aqua theater. Um, 143 foot uh, screen. Well, uh, we have all the games on. Um, it's got a place that. Uh, you could you could rent Chase lounges, poolside boxes. You could rent um, cabanas. Um, we're open year round, 365 days a year. Um, so the pools are heated up to 103 in the winter. So it's a it's a great place to come uh, come watch sports, uh, have a few drinks and, and things like that. And it's big. I mean, that's why we wanted to call it Stadium Swim. So it's a it's a it's a it's a new product that uh, we're excited about bringing to Las Vegas. Speaking of Vegas experiences, what's something that guests don't do? The, the, if somebody's going to Vegas and they're a typical Vegas customer, what is something that they should do that they wouldn't even think about unless they were prodded towards it? Well, I I would tell you. I mean, maybe maybe uh maybe I would be uh, I'll, I'll I'll pitch my own stuff first, but I would tell you if you've never had a chance to go to um, a watch party. I, I, I highly recommend doing that when you come to Las Vegas. Um, but I, I do highly recommend going to, uh, going to a watch party. Um, even if you don't like the sport in particular, just because you're going to have, uh, you're going to have a heck of a time. Like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not, not a huge race car fan, but boy, oh boy, am I glad I went to the Indy 500. You know, um, there's certain elements where where uh, it's kind of like a bucket list type of thing to do. So I I recommend doing that, and I recommend coming with some friends and uh, having some drinks, getting some good food, and just being part of the whole energy and the roar of the crowd. It's a pretty cool pretty cool environment. Well, um, yeah, we don't want to keep you too long. We know you're busy. Um, we have one very brief final segment called listener questions, where people submit sort of questions for us to to answer and to you know post our guests so we're gonna do one right here it's um jake from newcastle florida he wrote i was in athens a few years ago and saw some guys playing a three card monty game i used to practice this trick as a kid so i knew how it was done i chose the correct card and asked for my money the guys promptly beat the shit out of me was it worth a try since i knew i could win or was i just being an idiot I don't know. I mean, it depends on the guys. You can have honorable con artists, can't you? I'm not a guy that says a lot of a lot of bad about anybody, but uh, you don't want to play three card money out here in Las Vegas. I can tell you that. No, I wouldn't think so. That's I do remember that from. I haven't been in a few years, but when I was in Vegas like five years ago, it's just like every corner there's these guys that are like, "Oh, come on, sir, sir, come on, come on." I feel like three card Monty is just one of those things that if you're gonna do it, you're you've got to be ready for a not straight experience. Like you're gonna something is gonna go awry in the couple of minutes of a game. It's few few activities are are, are as primed for something like what happened to this guy to happen. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If you see a three-card money game down on down on the strip somewhere, like on the sidewalk in front of Planet Hollywood or in front of uh, Bellagio, um, what I can tell you is is something that's um, really fun to do when you see a game like that. Just hang out, hang back, and wait till one of the Las Vegas Metro police officers just happens to come walking down on his beat and you will not believe how fast these guys are yeah. how quickly they can scatter yeah i i understand the hubris of thinking i got this i can i can do this but 
it's not about the game. It's about the uh, their their reaction to being conned to themselves. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna yeah we'll let you go. But thank you so much for joining us and uh, and taking the time to chat. Well, great, great to talk to you guys, and I hope to see you out here at uh, at the deer at Circa, uh, not too far down the road. Absolutely, can't wait. And Circa looks awesome. So good luck with it. All right, thanks, guys. All right, bye bye. Okay, it's time for hot takes, and I hope you're ready, Tim, because I've got some head scratchers for you today. Ready to roll, ready to roll. All right. On topic, is gambling bullshit? I mean, my general thought on gambling is that, yeah, it is bullshit. These massive, giant hotel casino towers wouldn't exist if it wasn't. Well, no, I kind of mean um, for the, is gambling as a concept bullshit? Is it is it a fool's game? You know, like, are you just throwing your money away? I am way too frugal to ever gamble more than like 50 bucks, maybe like once a year, you know, I, that's not something that I personally am ever going to do, but for somebody that is more of a risk taker financially than me, I, I would still advise caution. I think that from a lot of angles, yeah, it is bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who, is like morally against gambling and just thinks it's like a sign of idiocy when people do it. My argument to him, and I'm not a huge gambler, but like I've definitely gone on multiple occasions to casinos specifically to gamble. It's, it's a game. I look at it as if I'm willing to spend $200 on entertainment for the afternoon. If that means I lose the 200 bucks, fine. I'm playing, I'm, I'm paying 200 bucks to play craps for a few hours. That's how I look at it. And if I happen to win, if I happen to, you know, walk away with 300 bucks, great. But I'm not, I'm making myself sound a lot more emotionally like stable than I really am because I will absolutely lose my mind if I lose the 200 bucks. And I like will go through all these mental gymnastics thinking how everything is rigged and how I'm an idiot for playing in the first place. But that aside, I do think it's, it is an investment in a game, just like you would pay for. 150 bucks for a ticket to a football game. Yeah, I agree. And I I come from the line of thinking of your friend. I'm very frugal and I do invest pretty much every free penny that I have. So I am not, again, somebody that's going to loosely gamble. But yeah, when I'm in Vegas, I will be like, okay, I know I'm going to spend this $100 over the course of my trip on this. And that's part of the experience. So I'm going to do it. Is it. Am I going to ever sit around and, and download a gambling app on my phone? Absolutely not. There's a 0% chance that I will ever do that. But sure, as an experience, yes, I'll do it. Well, all right. Is sleeping bullshit? I, you know, I'm the type of person that is a moody little bitch if I don't get enough sleep. So but what, if, what if you didn't need sleep is what I'm saying. Like, what if no, you didn't need sleep and it was between just staying awake all the time and having to fill those hours or like it is now, like needing to sleep? I don't mind it because I enjoy the reset of it. You know, I, I don't think that it's bullshit. I like being able to kind of decompress and disconnect from everything that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Okay. If I could change one thing about human existence, I would be sleep. I hate sleep. Hate it. Why? It's a waste of time. All right. Think about how much time we waste sleeping, doing absolutely nothing. Like literally not. A part of our lives. Right. Obviously, you have to sleep because that's how we're built. Like you can't just like not sleep. But if humans didn't have to sleep, if we didn't have that human need to recharge and rest, think about how much we get done. 
Think about how far we'd be as a society. Think about what, what we'd probably have cured cancer by now. Yeah. Like, just think about that. Like humans would have had a full one third more time on this earth being productive, learning, inventing things, like writing books, making music, doing, making fucking podcasts. I don't know. Like there's just be so much more content to consume. There would be, but there is also the aspect that you can only have so much productivity in, in a day before your brain is just fried. Is that a fact though? Is that a scientific fact? It is. It's definitely a fact. There are all kinds of studies that talk about, you know, people have certain times of the day when they are hyperproductive, when they can do their best work, and that might last for only a few hours. And while they might be able to be productive to an extent for the rest of the day, it's not their A game. So I don't think that adding more time to the day inherently means that you're going to be on your A game and curing cancer in those eight hours. But th <laughs> but that assumes you're doing the same kind of work. So no, do I think I could sit here and write like news articles for Matador for 24 hours straight? No, you're right. Like I, my, I would be fried from that, but I could do, you know, I could work for eight hours, you know, doing writing. I could do five hours of podcasting. I could do uh, some more time. I could learn French in like the next another three hours, I could learn golf. I could write a novel. I could do all these other things that use different aspects of your, I could learn calculus. I don't know, using different aspects of your brain. Yeah, if you're trying to sit there and do the same thing for 24 hours, you're gonna burn out. But I think if you diversify, then it's not gonna be an issue. Well, here's a thought for you. You know, we may eventually as a society evolve to a stage where we don't have circadian rhythms in the way that we do as humans progress towards space travel and are not tied to a 24 hour earthbound clock. We may eventually have days where there are more than 24 hours for us to be productive in. Dude, don't even tease me with that because that's, that's probably my dream. That's people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, I just say just a guy who doesn't have to sleep. I don't. I don't want world peace. I don't want everyone to get a lot. I don't want like. I don't want to end to division or you know global warming. All I want is a world where we don't have to sleep, where humans can just be awake all the time. And we would solve. Think about that. We'd solve climate change. Enough people would get their heads together. Th take five hours every night when between the hours of one a.m. and six a.m. and just devote that toward. The, have like a little climate change council. They'd solve it. They'd solve it in like fucking two years probably. Be done. Climate change done. Canceled. Potentially, yeah. The, the the counter argument to that would be though that if we were if we had a third more time to be productive during every day, we would be consuming a third more resources every day. And the closer we would be to having to live on the moon and get out of this whole circadian rhythm thing and be free of sleep. So you know, it works in all ways, doesn't it? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, that is it for me. I had to sleep last night, Tim. If I didn't, I mean, just think of all the awesome questions I could have come up with. Yeah, maybe you could have. Well, uh, all right. Well, now with you on the hot seat, if you were to go to Vegas tomorrow, what is the first thing you would do? I'd probably hit up that stadium pool at Circa, honestly. It looks sick. I'd hit the casino. Um, you know, those... Uh, those people that pass out the prostitute cards on the street, collect a few of those. I heard they banned that, actually. Really? I don't think I've been to Vegas since that happened, but I heard that, that, that the street soliciting is not... But then how do people know which uh, prostitute they want to go home with? I don't know. It's one of the great mysteries that's not declared immediately now. 
it's just like consumer information, you know? It's like you you get you gather all the info, you get your cards, you go to your hotel, you you set them all out in front of you. You, you just evaluate what you're working with. I don't know. It's like, how else are you supposed to make that kind of decision? So I, I will say, and this is a hilarious thing. When I was there for that bachelor party, when I went to sleep, I missed this experience. But the crew that still went back out, they went to a strip club at like five or six in the morning. And literally for the next month, one of my buddies that was with us on that trip, he was convinced the stripper wanted him, like loved him. There's always one guy in the group. Yeah. Still to this day, we give him shit about being like, yeah, you're that guy that thinks the stripper wanted you. In all fairness, though, that guy's not always full of shit. I went to um, a strip club in Connecticut with my buddy and he was convinced that the uh, the stripper was into him. And I was like, all right, man, like, yeah, fuck off. And then he went back a few weeks later with some other people and he ended up going home with her and they uh, dated for like five, six months. So he was right and I was wrong. And um Good for him. And hey, uh, shout out to Sasha if you're still out there listening to this somewhere in Connecticut doing your thing. Keep hustling. So you're in Vegas. I know that you're not a self-proclaimed foodie by any means. And I know from hanging out with you that you're not. Uh, Would you be stoked to go to like a crazy Vegas restaurant and drop a bunch of money for the experience? Or would you go to the Chipotle that's across the street from your hotel and eat for $6? I mean, you know me. Just put a big pizza in front of me and I'm happy. But it's, I mean, I would do... I don't need to eat at these restaurants that are uh, celebrity chef creations or the Wolfgang Puck restaurant. It's like, I don't need that stuff like Bobby Flay. I think there's if you're a foodie, a lot of people kind of get off on the whole like, oh, I'm going and eating at this restaurant where the menu is inspired by this chef that was on this TV show. I don't I don't care. I honestly don't care because you know what? He's not in the back in the kitchen cooking up my duck for me. It's some other guy who no one cares about. So uh, it that doesn't do anything for me. Uh, I would do a meal experience. Like I know in Vegas, there's a ton of those like you eat at the top of the, you know, the Eiffel Tower hotel, like on top of the tower. That's cool. Like that I would do and I would spend some money on because that's like a, if it's like a multi-sensory experience, it's not just a meal. It's going for the view and for the whole, the whole thing. So that is something I would do, but otherwise, no, just give me a pizza, give me some chicken sandwiches and uh, I'm happy. Okay. Well, that's what I've got. All right, thanks for listening to another episode of No Blackout Dates. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts about whether you think gambling is bullshit and whether you think sleeping is bullshit. And if you have a listener question to submit to us that we might ask our guests on air, email it to noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com. And of course, check out Circa because they have a sick pool, multi-level sports book, Say what's up to Derek at the bar. He's there every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, apparently. And uh, yeah, you won't regret it. Have a good week, and we'll catch you guys next time.